It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to be joined by Tony East of Locked On Pacers to discuss team building strategies around the NBA, how the Thunder are constructing a team that's already competing for a playoff spot this season, also previewing tonight's game against the Indiana Pacers, and we'll start the show with Stockwatch, whose stock is rising, whose stock is falling during this season for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll discuss all of that on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. We're going to dive into a stock watch episode looking up and down this Thunder roster. Whose stock is rising? Whose stock might be falling? And whose stock is just staying right there in the middle? And we're joined by Tony East to discuss team building strategies and this game tonight against the Indiana Pacers, which I think will be a very fun game. So. Let's see how the Pacers and Thunder do tonight. But let's start with Stockwatch. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms. Stockwatch, let's start Josh Giddy. I mean, Josh Giddy, this guy right here. Giddy up. He's playing fantastic. He's playing incredible. And it's really making us all very happy. Giddy up. His stock is ascending to the moon right now, and, and you need to have diamond hands because Josh Giddy is going to the moon. Since December, he is playing at an all-star level as a, as a really great player, and not that he's going to make it this year, but you know, just in general, if he were to sustain this 20-game pace for a full season, it would be that of an all-star caliber of player uh, that would be joshing for one of the last spots in the all-star game. I, I think, though, Josh Giddy, you're seeing him do it with a scoring more, uh, over these last 20 games, 17 points per game, getting to the rim more efficiently, uh, more aggressively as well, and it's helping him draw fouls at a higher rate than he used to, which was at a you know historically low rate of free throws before this 20-game stretch. And in this 20-game stretch, you're seeing him continue to develop and work on his jump shot, which has produced a 50-40-90 club average uh, over 20 games. What I think is so encouraging and why I think that his stock is rising so high is because... He is already improving this jump shot to this rate where we're talking about it, where we're we're discussing it, uh, where it's headline news. And the Thunder hired the best shooting coach in the world, and he's hardly gotten to work with him. Like everyone has mentioned, you know, from Mark to to Josh himself, that there's not much you can do within a season of fixing your jump shot, changing your jump shot, working on your jump shot. It's really all off-season work when it comes to your jump shot, and Yes, the Thunder did hire Chipping this offseason, but it was like at the at the middle end of the offseason where 
there wasn't a ton of time. You know, it was only like three or four months with him. And so you're going to get another three or four months this upcoming offseason with Chip England uh, to be able to work work with him. And also Mike Wilkes, who continues to get a lot of praise. Mike Wilkes got a ton of praise um, last season for Giddy's jump shot. Uh, he's getting a ton of praise this season as well from Mark and from Josh. And Josh is his personal trainer in L.A. Uh, and Vegas, so that, that helps as well. But Josh Giddy's ascension will be pretty rapid. I think this is a sustainable pace because I don't think that anything he's doing in these 20 games, which is a pretty good sample size, 20 games is, but I don't think that anything he's doing is unrepeatable. Like I don't think that any of it is an illusion. Like it's, it's all stuff that, that for Josh to have success in the NBA, he needs to do. He needs to attack the rim strong, use his body better offensively, which he's been doing and play, you know, uh, as a solid facilitator and rebounder, he's doing that very well. So his stock is rising at a high level. Uh, I think that Isaiah Joe's stock is rising, obviously. Because Isaiah Joe went from a guy who was waived by the Sixers and not picked up by anybody until two days before the the season started uh, to now being one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA, uh, one of the most valuable three-point shooters in the NBA statistically, and a legitimate rotational piece who's on a minimum contract for the next two years. Like, I'm not sure how long he lasts in OKC in terms of like five, six, seven, eight, nine years down the line. But you for sure have to keep him around next year, I think, and, and, and see where it goes from there and see how sustainable the shooting is uh, and continues to be sustainable because he adds so much value to your team with his three-point jumper. You're just simply not going to be able to add a better three-point shooter than him in the offseason. Like this offseason coming up, you cannot get better at shooting the three ball than Isaiah Joe. And so you want to keep that on your team. And then uh, for a guy like Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, I think that his stock is on the uptick a little bit because – he had the triple-double in the G League, and then he got thrusted into these, the starting role because of the injuries. Played really bad uh, his first two starts in the sense of just was not comfortable. And then in Philadelphia last week, had his best NBA game where he looked really good. I think that he looked good against Brooklyn. Uh, I think he looked more offensively aggressive as well. His biggest problem has been his foul trouble, which is expected with young bigs. I think that Jay Will is flashing you a few things to where his stock is on a bit of an uptick. It's not like... It's not like buy now you have to you have to get in, but it's more so like a monitor stock. Like okay, this is on a up incline. Let's see how far it can go with its trajectory. And Lindy Waters, I think, is our last interesting player to discuss right now. And we'll do this again on Friday and go more into detail if you want. You can leave down below in the comments the players that you want to hear from and about the most. But for me, Lindy Waters is a very interesting one because I'm not sure how to perceive his stock. He's, I think that in 2023, from the turn of the calendar year, he's playing the best basketball of his entire career. I think he's playing really good defense. I think that he's um, playing a good connecting offensive role as a, as a playmaker in the sense of like keeping the offense in rhythm. And I think that he can continue to shoot the ball a bit better. Uh, and with that being said, although he is playing his best NBA basketball of his life, he is on a two-way deal. And there's no clear pathway to get him on a standard NBA contract, and there's no clear reason why the Thunder would even want to do that. Um, I think that the best-case scenario for Lindy Waters would be that the Thunder trade Baisley for a contract that they just want to get get and wave, like immediately, like he never even comes to OKC. Then that opens up a roster spot for the rest of the year. You convert Lindy Waters to an NBA deal uh, via the Sam Presti special, where it's like a quote-unquote multi-year deal, but each year, including next season, has an absolute opt-out for OKC to just get out of that contract with no harm, no foul. And so that way, Lindy gets to continue to play this season and is eligible for the playoffs if the Thunder make it there and can still just continue to display what he can do to other NBA teams because it's just it's just not in the cards for Lindy Waters in terms of like 
a actualized NBA deal for the future because there's just not enough roster spots. Like, sure, the two-way deal will always be there, and, and he is well warranted of a two-way deal. But, like, in terms of an actual NBA roster spot for the Thunder, who have so many draft picks and so many young guys that they want to continue to keep, there's just not a spot for him next year. There's not even a spot next year as of right now as it sits on paper for the second-round pick that you're going to draft. If you even select the second-round pick, you don't trade it. And so I just don't think that it's going to fit the roster crunch, but he is playing his best basketball, so that has to impact his stock somewhat to go on the upward trajectory. But the roster crunch in OKC has to affect it too to not allow it to go too far up. So it's just kind of all a, a, a big mess right now. I think that his best, what he should be hoping happens is the Thunder trade Baisley, get back a contract that they don't want. It opens up a roster spot and he gets to continue to play on an NBA deal and is eligible for the playoffs if they if they decide to reach it there. Because on a two-way deal, he is currently not eligible to play in the playoffs. So that kind of throws a wrench in all this as well because he's been relied on more in the rotation since 2023 started. If that continues, then he'll be a part of your rotation come the end of the season whenever you are making a playoff push and you are hoping to make the playoffs. And then if you were to get there in the play, into the playoffs with him on a two-way deal, you'd lose a piece of your rotation. But that's still a long ways away. We're, st- we're still only halfway through. So imagine what, what all we just went through from October till now. We've got to do that again from now until April. And then we can discuss the playoffs. So his trajectory is kind of all over the place for Lindy Waters. But he is warranted of a shout-out because he's playing really, really good basketball. Also, a shout-out to... Uh, our good friends over at Lockdown Pacers, you're going to hear from coming up. Tony East is going to join us, and we're discussing the game tonight, but also at the end, discussing how the Thunder are building this roster and what the keys to success have been for OKC as a rebuilding team. But that's all coming up. First, on a tier right now, but our good friends over at Rocket Money. Rocket Money is incredible, it is fantastic, and it's formerly known as True Bill, but what it can do is help you manage your money and save money. Because we all have been there. We've all used subscriptions for like one specific show or one specific article or one specific order of something. And then not realize that we didn't turn off the auto renew. And so they're secretly in the back of our bank accounts just ripping away hundreds of dollars a month. And what Truebill can do, which is now known as Rocket Money, it can shut all that stuff off for you and cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way. Rocketmoney.com slash LockedInNBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked in NBA. Rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA to manage your subscriptions and cancel the unwanted ones and save you money. They can save you up to $720 a year. Like it's it's very, very useful. So make sure you discover it today by going to Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. It is a personal finance app that helps you and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Go there right now to Rocket Money. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Crossover time. These two teams somehow haven't played yet this year. Thunder Pacers tonight in OKC. Uh, what would have been 
uh, for me, a circle on the calendar, most improved player betting line, awesome game between Shea Gildish Alexander and Tyrese Halliburton is not that, but it will still be awesome. For those of you on Locked on Thunder, I'm Tony East from Locked on Pacers, and this is Ryland Styles. I'll let you introduce yourself from Locked on Thunder. Ryland, the Thunder are so fun this year. They are so fun. I'm Ryland Styles, host of Locked on Thunder, and it's been awesome to watch Shea and to watch, of course, Tyrese Halliburton, also for the Pacers, uh, ascend to where they're at right now, and you're right, it, it Really, really stinks that Therese Halliburton is out for this game. I was devastated when I heard the news that he would not be in Oklahoma City uh, on Wednesday. But nonetheless, I still think this is going to be a really fun game. And I still think that it'll be a track meet, which is always fun. Two teams that play with a ton of pace uh, whenever they get together. And, and it's not like a boring, methodical game. I find those more interesting as well. And the Thunder returning home from their most impressive road trip in years, where they get three wins on the road. Could have had four, lost to Miami by one point to not sweep the road trip, including a win over Philadelphia and Brooklyn, to where hopefully that the crowd is kind of behind them and hopefully the crowd is more packed than it's been all year long to kind of welcome them home. That will be a ton of fun as well. So I think it'll be a fun time on Wednesday in OKC. It does look like it's going to be fun, even though the Pacers have quietly lost four out of five while the Thunder have won. The Oklahoma City Thunder, for those unaware, have won six out of seven. The Thunder are are here-ish. I mean, they're beating good teams. They're playing very well. And that's what made this game interesting to me at first is the Thunder would be good and it would be fun. And both of these teams are top, let's see, six in pace with the Pacers being sixth. So, yes, you're right. It's going to be a track meet. But Shea stole the show, even with Tyrese out. He's been so good. I had a locked-on NBA opportunity to host this season, and I had you on to talk about Shea. But, look, he might be the most improved player favorite. What has made him so much better this year and can what what has slowed him down to the Pacers have any prayer of actually like giving him any sort of fit so the thing with Shea that slowed him down this year has been two things that I'm not sure that repeatable for other teams it's been (laughs) it's been Memphis's length but there the Memphis has so many bodies that are like six seven plus that they can just throw in the paint and what do you do for a guy who his entire offense is centered around getting to the rim that's been very hard for him and Miami's zone and it's specifically Miami's zone, which is so crisp, and they work on it so much. When other teams try to throw to zone that they're not used to running, it's easier to exploit. But Miami's zone in two games have caused 11 turnovers for Shea, and while he still gets to those high water marks of like 28 points, 30 points, it's it's not as efficient as normal for Shea. Plus, when you throw the turnovers in, it's obviously not a normal Shea game. So it's been those two uh, aspects of defense that have slowed him down. And again, I'm not sure how repeatable it is, given that you can't really build a team the way Memphis is. You can't really build a a lengthy, defensive, monstrous team overnight. And you can't implement a zone as crisp as Miami runs it overnight either. So that's where it's very encouraging for Thunder fans to see that this play on the floor is sustainable for Shea because it's very tough to guard. And also, it's only going to get better as you surround him with better shooters because if you look at his numbers with Isaiah, with Isaiah Joe on the floor, Isaiah Joe being the only true knockdown three-point shooter the Thunder have – they go up exponentially because you you now have to pay attention to somebody outside the arc, which unclogs the paint in the mid range, which is where Shea makes his bread and butter. So, yeah, I don't really see a way for Indiana to slow down SGA just based upon the fact that no one's been able to yet uh, besides those two teams. And that's kind of where the Thunder sit right now. Yeah, that he is. Like, no one could stop him getting to the rim, and the Pacers don't – like, they play small already. Neesmith will get some time on him, I would guess, as will Andrew Nembard, and neither of them are have length. <laughs> and so Miles Turner can do some. I mean, all season he's protected the rim and, and deterred guys. But there's a point with Shea where you know, he's so crafty around the rim and he can kick out that, uh-oh, <laughs> all of a sudden that doesn't necessarily work so well. And Isaiah Joe is lights out. I was DMing with someone the other day. 
about players around the league. And we, we, he asked me to, if I knew the seven guys who met the criteria who have played 30 plus games are shooting 40% or better from three and take 10 or more threes per hundred possessions. And I got all of them except Isaiah Joe. <laughs> I did not realize he was that dude this year from deep. And that has really helped the Thunder be a much more capable shooting team. Uh, fifth, 17th now in three point percentage this year. Yeah. I think that is where this game will be tricky for the Pacers is they don't have the, the stuff to cover Shea, right? They're kind of praying that the stuff he does to get other guys involved should make other guys lives easier. Right. Can they slow Lou Dort? Can they slow Jalen Williams? J-Dub, excuse me. Uh, can, can they make Giddy, who's been playing very well recently, have a little bit harder of a night? Because they don't have the answers for Shea. Those quick, shifty guards have been tough for them all year and, quite frankly, for lots of years. And Miles Turner can do a lot to bail that stuff out. But that's where I think the Thunder will get a big advantage. That said, the Pacers did figure some stuff out against Milwaukee on Monday. 18 threes. Offense looked much better. A little unsustainable TJ McConnell uh, MVP candidate game. That will likely not be happening again in Oklahoma City. But I think they can score pretty well, even with Halliburton out. They'll just have to do it for a consistent game. But the Thunder quietly, basically a top 10 defense. Do you have any concerns that the Pacers could break them down and make this interesting? I do. I, I think that with a top 10 defense for the Thunder this year, that's been all fantastic for OKC. Uh, my big concern is, which it's it's quietly been a repeat of last year, by the way, for the Thunder defense. Like last year at this time, they were a top 10 defense. But with the maneuvers that they did at the end of the season where they're playing uh, 10-day guys for the, like 20 games, it tanked the entire stats and proponents of all this. But nonetheless, this season, what I think worries me the most is the the lack of a true center threat right now with Jeremiah Robinson out, with Alexei Pokoshevsky out, with Chet Holmgren out. Uh, right now you're looking at Mike Muscala and Jalen Williams out of Arkansas who are the true center builds. And for Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, his big deal has been, yeah, he's play, played really good in drop coverage, but he's a young player and he's playing a bit undersized at the big man position. And so that's led to a ton of foul trouble. Like there's been times where he gets four fouls and a half. And if you get in foul trouble with, with you know, Miles Turner on the floor, which is likely going to be a guy that can draw fouls out of Jay Will, then that takes him out of play. Now you're down to just one true center, Mike Muscala, who you're not leaning a ton of uh, time on. You're not playing him 30 minutes a night or 25 minutes a night. So there's going to be a lot of moments here, especially if they get Jay Will in foul trouble, where you know, Miles Turner is going to go up against Kenny Hustle, like Kendrick Williams. Like that, that is going to be where Kenny Kendrick Williams has been good playing this mobile five, you know, in terms of minutes this year. That's still not an invitation matchup for OKC. Like you're still playing from behind in that matchup. And so I think that uh, with TJ McConnell and these guards, while they like to play a pace, if they can kind of go in the half court and do the pick and roll stuff over and over and over again, eventually it could break down OKC because of the lack of a true center threat. And with the Thunder, to make up for that lack of a center threat, they've been really cheating on uh, collapsing in the paint and and going, you know, and, and kind of shoveling everything down low to where they're susceptible to corner threes. Like the corner threes have been open a lot this year on those kickouts because they're trying to overcorrect and overhelp down low with Buddy Hilden, with the shooters that the Pacers can have on the floor. That also can give the Pacers an edge as well offensively. Yeah, Neesmith, Jalen Smith, those guys who end up in the corner a lot for the Pacers will be pretty important in this game, I think. They they did well enough to get good threes against Milwaukee, and that kept them in it, even though Milwaukee made 23 threes. But, yeah, th that's going to be important against against the way the Thunder like to play defensively. Rylan, I empathize with you because uh, during 2020-21, I covered the Pacers when they had TJ Leaf, TJ Warren, and TJ McConnell. So I just had to say the last name, right? It was easy. Everybody could figure out which TJ I was talking about. You have to literally say Jalen Williams from Arkansas and Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. To, to, to specify. They're both rookies and they both play. How, how have you dealt with this? 
like that? Well, yeah. So like in OKC, it's been J Dub and J Will, and even that has confused some Thunder fans. But but the Thunder themselves, when they're at practice and at shoot around and talking to each other, J Dub means Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. J Will means Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. But when you're on a podcast like this, where you got Pacers fans for half the audience, <laughs> that would just confuse the heck out of them. What? Why is he having two different nicknames for one player? No, they're two different players, and they go by two different things. But it's been fantastic. And I don't know if you saw, but at the uh, at draft night. Jay Will, Arkansas, he uh, he had his family in this you know convention hall, basketball arena, whatever. They're watching the draft on television, and the the commissioner, of course, says with the twelfth pick, the Thunder is selecting Jalen Williams, and his whole family starts erupting with with the <laughs> you know applause and and cheers, and and Jay Will standing there going, no no no, this isn't me, this is not me, this is not me. But eventually, he does get picked and, and is picked by the Thunder, still, which is just <laughs> incredible, an incredible story. But yeah, the audience, it's wild. Could- they can still keep that audio of him going number 12, even though he actually didn't. Yeah, this game, I think if Halliburton played, this one would have been really interesting, right? They're very similar in net rating. Their records are now pretty close because the Pacers have lost four in a row. I think without Halliburton, uh, the Thunder have the best player. They're definitely in better form. I think the Pacers can win. They've showed like 35 to 40 minutes of good play against Memphis and Milwaukee their last two games, but not 48. And I think they will get closer to 48, but... I don't think they're better than the Thunder right now. So I, I don't know what you think, but I think you know the, the matchup inside can go the Pacers way. Turner just had 30 two nights ago, and I think they can get an advantage there. But unless they can knock down those corner threes or, or really make the, the, the young but still effective Thunder defense spread it out, I think Shea is more consistent in the way he breaks down a defense is more consistent in the way that I think the Pacers will have a little bit more trouble keeping up in this one. Yeah, I think that on paper the Thunder should win this game, and it's especially critical for the Thunder because they're going to head west after this game and go to Sacramento and go to Denver, two tough places to play, where if you stumble in this one, you might not win a game all week, which would be kind of a, a blow after all the momentum you've gained this past week. But I will say that the the difference here would be the two days off, You know, we kind of ask rust versus rest in that case, and, and you're kind of feeling yourself a bit for the first time. This is the first time a young team in OKC has – been able to say hey we're right there in the standings you know we've kind of arrived a little bit do you start reading the press clippings and looking ahead and checking the standings and things of that nature i will say for the pacers fans though if you gain an early lead in, in this game don't don't rest on your laurels because the thunder have been incredible at coming back they lead the nba in 15 plus point comebacks and their best quarters the third quarter so you might dominate all the first half which has been typical especially early on the season the thunder then come in the third quarter and clean up and come back in this game and then close it out with shea in the fourth so I think it'll be a fun game regardless. I think that this will not be a blowout by any nature. I think that the Thunder will eventually run away with it in the fourth quarter. But uh, a track meet up on the floor and a lot of fun offense, I think, will happen in this game against the Pacers. I don't know if you have the 15-plus play comeback thing in front of you, but the Pacers have got to be top top 10 in that as well. I mean, they, you described with Halliburton playing kind of how they've played all year. Bad start, figure it out in the second, adjust in the third, win in the fourth. <laughs> like That's how they've been. That has not been the case since he got injured. Ryland. As you know, as I briefed you before, let's talk about some team building. The Thunder are a fascinating team to talk team building with, but the Pacers entered what they defined as a new era before the season started. Their young core is 22 and 20 years old right now, and yet they're over 500. And team building is an interesting thing to talk about with smaller market teams. As you know, let's do that after we tell everybody about betonline.net, the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, including the ongoing pro football playoffs. They've got basketball on there, everything you want over at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, they're over at betonline as well. The lines are up 
for the NFL second round of the playoffs. Eagles Giants should be juicy. Eagles favored by seven and a half. Bills favored by five against Cincinnati. Why are the Bills the home team? When had they lost in Cincinnati? That game would be played in Cincinnati. I don't know, but that is what the NFL has decided. All those lines and more at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to that website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Back here on Lockdown Pacers and Lockdown Thunder, thanks for making either one of us your first listen today and every single day. Jump on over to NBA Game to Game for your second listen today to get the take from the local experts on every game in the NBA every single night here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Easily the best way to catch up on all the action from around the league in a bite-sized, shorter podcast. It's fantastic. And Ryle and I will be on there on Thursday talking our own perspectives of Pacers Thunder. But forget the game for a second. Look, both of these teams are ascending in the play-in mix. Thunder were in it yesterday. They're not right now as we're talking, but whatever. It's because someone else won. It's not because they lost. Pacers are in it, but who knows where their season will go until Halliburton turns. Either way, some two surging teams. But they still have work to do building. And what I thought would be the case for the Pacers this season and the prevailing thought for the Thunder as well is that they would be, you know, 12 in their conference, 13th in their conference and have some work to do building. So I thought that I would discuss team building with every locked on host and figure out what they did well. Is it possible to copy for other teams what they did poorly? Is it possible to avoid that? And can the Pacers or Thunder in this case implement it themselves? So as vague as possible, Ryland Styles, what did the Thunder do well? to build their team, and is it replicatable? That said, before you answer, I very much know that their situation is one of the most unique since the process. But please, the floor is yours. Well, it starts with fleecing the, the, the Clippers. you got to fleece <laughs> yes, the Clippers and, and gain a billion first-round picks while also gaining a number one overall player in SGA who can lead your franchise and be a 30-point-per-game score. That itself, not sure how duplicable Duplicable it is, although if you ask the Jazz, they, they did it pretty well uh, with Minnesota. <laughs> so maybe it is going to be something that you can duplicate over and over and over again. But uh, it's it's interesting that the conversation on the Thunder team building, like it, it, they've been talked about and talked down to of like black eye of the league, egregious tanking, unbelievable, disgusting acts by the Thunder to just tank. Sam Presti cares more about first round picks and middle schoolers than he does about winning games. Well, a few things are true. The Thunder did trade Paul George and Westbrook way back in 2019. However, they did make the playoffs the following year with Chris Paul and SGA and Gallinari. And I will interrupt you for a second to say the Thunder have played a playoff game more recently than the Pacers. Okay, continue. Yes, they have. And more recently than a lot of teams in the NBA uh, have, <laughs> by the way, uh, including the Hornets and the Rockets and every other tanking team that they hold up as a better tanking team than the Thunder. 
Uh, but they, they made the playoffs. They they went to seven and should have won the game uh, in game seven, but you know, they got blocked, whatever. It doesn't matter, okay? They've never finished with a bottom three record in the NBA. In fact, they've tied for the fourth worst, so weren't even an outright fourth worst. They just won a coin flip, and uh, they finished fourth worst last year as well, but never finished bottom three. They might, depending on how the season goes, have only a two-year hiatus from the playoffs, and so with all of that being said, I don't see how people can continuously say that Sam Presti and the Thunder did these egregious tanking moves and these egregious um, black eye of the league stuff that people throw out there uh, during this whole rebuild. The Thunder got lucky in the lottery one year and unlucky the other year. Like the first year in the lottery, they got unlucky, quote unquote, by dropping out of six. They had to take Josh Giddy. That's obviously panned out, of course, over these last 20 games, especially. And then last year, they got lucky. They leaped from two to, from four to two. They get Chet Holmgren. He's not playing right now, but you're going to add him to the mix of, of this already fun young team next season. And then they cashed in some of their chips, which people like to admit whenever they're talking about Sam Presti as a pick compiler, they cashed in three future first round picks. They go up and buy uh, Usman Jang with the 11th overall pick and then still draft the J-Dub with the 12th overall pick uh, the next time. So the Thunder have really done this all on drafting and done this all on rebuilding and not even to the most egregious extent that they could have. Uh, and this season, whenever... John Hollinger predicts that they're going to win 20 games, which would have been four less games than they won the year prior. Uh, they've already gotten that mark uh, at the halfway point of the season. So the Thunder have outperformed, I think, what a lot of people expected from them in the last three years, and especially this year. But they're doing it with a clear identity. And I'm, I'm not to say that the Thunder have the correct identity in terms of like it's the only way to do it. But it's clear that whenever you watch the Thunder and watch the Rockets, they're both rebuilding teams, but one has a plan and one doesn't. The Thunder have a plan top to bottom. Like they have a plan on the floor. They have a plan off the floor as well, though. They're, they're drafting these versatile playmakers who can – their goal is to have positionless basketball where every single player can grab a rebound and push the pace and be a playmaker. Their goal is to have every single player can switch one through five. It's why you saw SGA shut down Franz Wagner at the end of the Magic game in OKC back in on November 1st and help the Thunder win that game you know, because he could switch onto a four and know exactly how to defend him in a critical moment. And so their goal is just length, size, athleticism, but also now playmaking ability, finishing ability, and hopefully they gain more shooting ability. As you mentioned, the Thunder are still at 17, but it might that might hit the ear funny for like other fans to say that's a good year for the Thunder. They're usually bottom, you know, they're usually bottom two, usually 30th in the league. And so one offseason with Chip England and one offseason of progression has helped this Thunder team get to 17. They're going to continue to progress as the youngest team in NBA history, second youngest team in NBA history, only ahead of last year's Thunder team, uh, second year's team to be a history. And so they're going to continue to improve and improve and improve. But for the Thunder, their model has been forming an identity and it doesn't have to be the Thunder's identity, but I think that you do need an identity that you're looking for in a player. You can't just willy nilly pick guys and willy nilly grab people and push them together. Like, like other teams are doing, you have to have a clear message of what you want everyone to be able to do on the floor and what you want your structure to be. And that structure has led to better success earlier for the Thunder. I think that Jalen Green is a great player. I think that Apple Shingun is a great player. Uh, but I think that what the Rockets are doing, and, and Jabari Smith, I had a number one on my, on my big board. I think Jabari Smith's a great player. But when you're just standing around and playing isolation ball with guys that aren't ready to do that yet, none of them are going to be able to succeed at a high rate. And so it's not to continue to show, throw shots at the Rockets, but it's just showing that what the Thunder have done hasn't been some big secret. It's just been sticking to a plan executing that plan and letting the chips fall where they may like they didn't plan to be a playoff team this year, but their plan, it got accelerated with just internal development. So I think that the biggest issue here to end my ramble is, <laughs> is when you're rebuilding, 
have a plan and have a identity already in your mind. Don't, don't wait and make an identity halfway through these guys' careers and ask them to conform to your new plan. Draft guys who already fit that plan or, or you can envision fitting that plan. The Pacers uh, are, are following a lot of those Thunder ideologies, ironically. Um, they, they got a great young guard in a trade <laughs> last year in Tyrese Halliburton. And they said, okay, our new identity with this guy running our show is we're going to play fast and we're going to play in transition. And if you can't do that, too bad. And then all offseason, they said, hey, we want to add guys who are athletes. We want to add shooters. And every team forever in the offseason says we want to play faster and we want to shoot better. Like, I hear the up. But they did it this time. They After years of saying it, they did it. And so now I think their next step to potentially copying a successful Thunder rebuild and, and being better is, drafting guys or adding guys who add to that identity and they have four top potentially if the Rockets finish with a bottom two record they have this weird second rounder with a bunch of crazy protections I'm not going to talk about that but they could have four top 32 picks the Pacers can't even fit <laughs> for young guys onto their team like the Thunder have had to dance around that kind of crap for forever as you know um, so I don't know what they're going to exactly do with all that but to a much lighter scale they have drafted well right nailed the Matherin pick nailed the Nembard pick Duarte's good um, they have formed an identity. They got the the bang and trade. They have way less picks. So the Thunder are definitely set up better long-term, but a lot of the stuff the Thunder did well, the Pacers are in the process of doing something else. The Thunder did well for my seat. If you don't mind, this is not a shot at any other coach in the NBA, but Mark Dagnall is awesome. Right. And he really fits with what they want to do. And having the right coach for your plan is really helpful. And Carlisle normally is considered by many around the league a guy who like is great in winning situations but he loves teaching moments which he gets a lot of with these younger teams and he loves this identity that they currently play and so he is actually a very good coach for the way the Pacers want to play so ironically I didn't even think we'd get to this point in this discussion but Pacers and Thunder similar ish on on the building path and in the small market hey it's working um the the hard step is the the final steps for these kind of teams right getting all of the pieces together we'll see where that ends up but yeah, the Pacers have been good at, at trades forever. Kevin Pritchard's best quality, I think, is his ability to find talent that's young and under contract for a long time and fits with what they want to do and get it onto his team. And I think that's where the Pacers' next kind of steps are. And I don't know what the Thunder are thinking, but I'd imagine if you know they're doing three-for-one draft trades to get Osman Jang, that they're going to be close to that next year. So I, I think it's fascinating the parallels that exist between the Pacers and Thunder's team-building strategies, even though the Thunder have done it on a much grander and potentially sooner, more successful level. Yeah, I think that for the Thunder, you know, you're, you're this offseason, I don't think will be as exciting as like blockbuster moves, but it's coming. I think that this offseason, you're going to let Baisley's contract expire and that opens up a roster spot for your first, you know, for your first round pick this year. Ooh, the Thunder only have one good, uh, uh, wow, an athletic four. I think I think the Pacers uh, will be calling some Baisley representatives. potentially. That is not a source thing. I just that's a good fit. Anyway, he's, he's on the block right now on the trade block <laughs> if, you, if they want to plunk him a bit early. But uh, nonetheless, I think that you know he's not in the future plans for the Thunder, if I had to guess. And so you let his contract expire. He's really the only player on this roster that you are comfortable getting rid of right now. Then his spot is taken up by the only first round pick that the Thunder have. They only have one uh, this season, despite the gluttony of first round picks that they have in the future. They have four next season. So if they wanted to, they could still buy another another first round pick, as they did last year with the Usman Jang, uh, Jang trade. Uh, but I think that this year you bring in that first round pick, you bring back Chet Holmgren uh, this off season, and then next year you see where that's all at and see how Chet Holmgren plays in the NBA. What would be best to put around Chet Holmgren? Because he's a player where uh, even if he pans out. You're going to have to just see what the vibe is in the NBA landscape to know 
who to pair with him. Cause the worst thing to do would be to try to pair somebody with him this off season without knowing any of that information. And then it's a bad pairing and you've kind of derailed this whole thing. So that's why patience, even despite this huge surge, and even despite if they make the playoffs or not uh, in a couple of months, I think it will be a big deal for the thunder. And so they're going to get a good draft pick. And even if they make the playoffs and like finish 16th, they can trade the 16th pick plus future picks and get up to like eight or whatever they want to, to get right back in that range where they would have been had they been losing these games. So it's a win-win all around for the thunder, but this off season might not be as flashy, but that flashy stuff is coming because it just simply has to, they cannot draft four guys in 24th draft. So they're going to have to trade those picks for something uh, of note, either this off season or next off season or in the middle of the next season, whenever that case is. Similar timeline here, right? Pacers can't draft that many guys. And in two years, they pay Tyrese Halbert. And in three years, they pay Benedict Mather. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, here's our team, right? How do you get around and build around those guys on their rookie scale deals? Rylan, this was fun. It's fun to, to compare and contrast the situations of young teams. And this game will be a blast. And I'm sure we'll both be breaking down these games in our respective shows tomorrow. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. <laughs> Unlocked on Pacers tomorrow. All the Pacers Thunder recap you could want and other general topics based on who plays well or poorly in that game. Thank everybody a ton for listening here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. See you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.